The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply, see mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Red Sider Trent after the conclusion of match day 12, which saw us fall to a late defeat at your London Stadium as West Ham ran out 3-2 winners in the end. Uh, no Lee Clark tonight, so I'm joined by Adam Wicklow and the man on the ground today for us was Christian Brown, who had a short trip home back to Kent and managed to make it in time. So anyway, Adam... For the first time this season, we were unchanged. So, was you happy with the lineup today? Yeah, I don't think you can really grumble too much. I mean, the, the bench was a lot stronger, wasn't it? So, that was always a plus. But, yeah, you couldn't really change it from last week. A really good performance against Villa. So, I don't see why not. Sometimes you need that kind of consistency uh, in the Premier League. We're not, we're not quite as equipped like a Man City where they can kind of leave you guessing in a few positions because they can fill in like for like. But I think it shows a lot where you can actually field a team for the first time in consecutive weeks because generally we normally pick up an injury or some sort of craziness yeah, happens, doesn't it, with Forrest? You know what yeah. we like. Like yeah. Our injury record speaks for itself, quite frankly, since we've been in the Premier League. It's been a shambles. Uh, so, yeah, quite quite nice to actually field, a, field an unchanged team for once. Yeah, I mean, as you say as well, Adam, a few more options off the bench um, today, which was good in an attacking sense because... Thankfully, last week we didn't need him, but um, today we did in the end. So, obviously, Wood and Origi come on. We'll, we'll touch a bit on the subs and that later. I mean, Christian, I know you get to the ground usually early, so you'd have been in your seat and I'm sure time to get the binoculars out, see us go 1-0 down after only three minutes. I mean, yeah, talk us through that goal. I'm a bit of a mess, one tip. What do you even say? Like, I mean, well... I actually have, as I said to you just now, I have a great deal of sympathy for Steve Cooper. And um, I know some of our X-Men enthusiast fans might not be too keen on me saying that. But the bottom, I mean, there's not much. I mean, as a manager, how can you account for midfielder just blasting it against the player's back straight into their path, make a three-on-one? Like, you can't. And it, I, 
it's it's I mean I feel for Dominguez because I mean that is really the first sort of low point he's had at Forest really I mean I don't really count the him kicking the ground at Anfield yeah okay he's not in a team that score goals it's upsetting he didn't get on the end of that should have done better but okay Aston Villa had a chance as well but we're not looking at him for goal contributions we're looking at him to win the midfield battle and that's what he does so well it's what he's doing so well in the last few weeks like he runs into the grounds he gets tackles in he makes interceptions I think it was wasn't he was it eight tackles last week against Villa Dominguez made was, yeah. like that was that was like a top like, league high for like well assuming you take that top six teams out so you know he's very clearly gifted footballer, but I don't know what went through his head then. That was just brainless. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just as, as as soon as like it was one of those, as soon as Bikessa was on on goal and you saw yeah these options, I, I said like oh, that's it. Like before he even hit it, I knew it was going to be a goal because one of those three was going to score. And yeah, I mean, it's just the worst possible start. But I mean, yeah, as we'll sort of come on to, I'm sure didn't really it wasn't like a catalyst for West Ham really if anything it sort of made them sort of sit back almost yeah I mean this is what I was going to touch on in, in the next bit I mean for the rest of the first half I thought the game was very even and I mean the tempo was which surprisingly for this level was very slow it, it was like a friendly pace at some times which was a bit odd but I mean Ariola made a good save from Tyro's header to deny him um I know you said that was a great save. It was a good save at the time, Christian, but a bit more in the corner and that would have beaten him. It, it was it was a save I'd expect him to make as well as Tyro did. Um, and something I mentioned on last week's pod was Alanga getting at Kufo, which he did a fair bit. He had him on a card, I think, pretty early on. Um, and then he, he, he put it through his legs, didn't he, at one point, but unfortunately crossed into the hands of Ariola. And you, you always got that sense that if one team did up the tempo, though, that they could break through. And that's exactly what we did, just as the first half was petering out as Tyro pulled his level. I mean, talk us through the equaliser, Adam. Yeah, I mean, great win in midfield from from Sangare. And I think, is, is it him and Mangala maybe get like around Kudus and kind of force him into a into a kind of a blind alley almost? And Sangare nicks the ball off him and then produces a great pass, great weight for, for Morgan Gibbs-White. And you kind of think, just hit the target if you can. And I mean... His, his technique for, for shooting seems to get kind of scoffed at that, doesn't it, a little bit? And that kind of tells because he kind of scuffed it at goal. But luckily, it's in the right direction, similar to like that goal that Kane scored against us last season where he scuffed it into the corner. As long as it's on target, yeah. it doesn't matter. And, yeah. and the one he's on hand to, to tap it in. And if your number nine's not there at the time, you're kind of fuming at him. But mm. yeah, good good to see the good to see the big man back on the goal scoring sheet. And not that, not that he had his best half of football, but He's he's done his job at the end of the day, hasn't he, uh, Tywo? Yeah, and it was it was good to go in at half time. Better that ripped up a few notes for David Moyes before half time. So kind of put us in the ascendancy, you'd think, as it as it did kind of in the second half, though that turned into a bit of a basketball match. I'm sure we're getting into. <laughs> yeah, it's been some super Sunday, hasn't it, for the neutrals? I mean, the Chelsea City game I just watched was Pete Barker is absolutely incredible. But yeah, as you say, Adam, I mean Tywo was in the position where you wanted to be for an easy tap in. Um, you know, there's the old adage, isn't it, from former strikers that if you're just in that in and around that six yard box, you kind of get ten to a dozen goals a season from just being in the position. So he was in the position to just tap it in. I mean, at first I thought it was gonna go like half a yard behind him, and he was gonna kind of scuff it. And I'm, I mean, sure it, did, it, it, did, yeah. it did shin it in, didn't he? So yeah, it, well, of, did, it was a typical it, one. You I finish. Don't, I don't think he could miss really, but. Um, Anyway, I want you to both come in on this because 
I've got this image of Roy Keane glaring in my head. Um, but the, the Sky cameras picked it up at half time, which showed Murillo and Lucas Paqueta swapping shirts, obviously both from Brazil. I mean, is this something that bothers you guys personally, or is it something you feel for people just to moan about? Start with you, Christian. Either of you. No real opinion on it. I mean, I don't I like. It's not like it's their only shirt, is it? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I couldn't. I don't really care. Like, it's, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't affect their poor performance, which it shouldn't do anyway. I, I couldn't care less, really. I think it's no, unprofessional I, in any sense. On are you both gonna agree? I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm not putting my. Pen I just think a lot of it. There's a lot of it's like mounting out of a molehill stuff. Yeah, I, I like, do agree. Like, yeah. Who cares? They've swapped shirts. It's no different to doing it full time, is it? Like, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm, you, I'm kind of in, I'm in the same boat as Christian. I mean, if you're going to really pick at it, do it, do it like in the tunnel or whatever, so people yeah. aren't gonna have a go. But to yeah, be honest, Marillo and 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 Paqueta probably couldn't give a rat's ass about any Forest or West Ham fan, to be honest, in their opinion. So I'm sure they're not that bothered <laughs> at the end yeah, of the well, day. It's just it was just typical of the mainstream media in this country until that they picked it up because they know it. They know it will get a few people's mouths foaming, but yeah. It, it's one of them things in terms I think if it was like three nil down and he did it, then it'd be yeah. a, a different case. But mm. it was drawing. So it kind of yeah, what is what it yeah, is. It, it comes on the back of the one in midweek, didn't it? I think the young boys captain had asked for Erling Haaland's shirt at half time, I think, when they were a couple of goals down. So yeah, maybe if it was like two nil down, it might have not gone down as as well. But I thought I'd put it in there because it is a talking point. So I've fed into your narrative sky which you'll be pleased to hear. Anyway, the the second half got underway. And I mean, both sides went close early doors in the second half. I think it was Emerson who had a shot, which was inches past the post for the Hammers. But we will focus on our chance because this is a forest pod after all. I mean, quick distribution from Flakadamos. Have I pronounced that right, Adam? So-so. Yeah, 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 I think so. Oh, I think the, the, Greek, the Greek goalkeeper for Forest. <laughs> Um, who I must say, um, Christian was very good at, at that all afternoon. His distribution, I thought he was mm. quick and he, he got us away a few times, didn't he? And then there was some good build up play between Alanga and Tyro, which in the end saw Tyro scuff a shot wide, really. I mean, did you expect the net to bulge in that moment? Yes, I was very halfway down the aisle. I thought he scored. <laughs> I, I was like, I was, as soon as it came to him at eight yards out, I was like, there's no way. And when I, when I saw him shank it wide, I just dropped. I was like, I cannot believe what I've seen. Like that, that is this Darwin Nunes. The typical Tyro like, finish, isn't it? Oh, I, don't, I don't know why he's not taking it on his right. Like he just sort of just shanked it with his left. He had so much more time than he realised. He could have literally stopped and done his laces at a time anyone was going to go anywhere near him. He had like all the time in the world. Like the whole, like, everything just sort of stood still and just like watched him. Like it's like I. I, I my, uh, oh, I'm going to have nightmares for weeks. I honestly cannot believe like, how he's done that. Like, I love the bloke. He's, you know, an icon. But how are you doing that? <laughs> the pitch, like, uh, you're centre forward. You're number nine. You're the main source of gold in the team. He's got a free chance with no one around him. Well, eight yards out. And he's rolled it nearer the corner flag with his weaker peg. I mean... What do you even say to that? I was like, I mean, thankfully, I mean, it's weird because like a lot of people will look at that and say, oh, if Tyro had scored that, we could have won or draw three 0 for example. Obviously, we weren't. We aren't to know that because no, ultimately, less than ten minutes later, we take the lead anyway. So it's sort of like, 
you know, you, you can't say, oh, we would have scored that goal had Tyro done that all the same. It's very difficult like that. It's only really like end of game things you can sort of say things like that. So, yeah, it's it, 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 um, <laughs> Joe yeah. makes me laugh. Uh, it, was su- it was such good play from two players that, yeah. um, all like, the hard like, like to, so well. like, they like to mess things up, don't they? Because Tyro is not the most technical, and Langer is very hit and miss. So, like, to actually conjure up the chance was brilliant. But Tyro actually had a chance to put it on his right foot, Christian, and a chance to actually pass it to Danilo. I know. Yeah. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah, yeah frustrating. But um, I do enjoy these like Premier League strikers who just one minute can't hit a barn door and the next it can bury a finish. I mean, Nunes is typical of that, isn't he? Yeah. Um, they just, but they just cause absolute chaos. Like, Tyra reminds me, he's obviously not as prolific as um, this player, but he reminds me of Lukaku to a T, and I've said that a few times, where he's just like, he's physically incredible. He can, he has got decent numbers. Like, he put decent numbers up last season. Obviously, Lukaku's numbers in the Prem have been good over the years, but he just, technically, it's like... Yeah, leaves something to be desired. Yeah. yeah, that's it. But um, I do love him because he does cause absolute chaos. And we'll speak about Tyra in a bit and um, in a bit more in length. But we did make it count though. About ten or so minutes later, as a nicely worked move was finished off by Anthony Alanga. So again, Adam, uh, talk us through that goal, which put us ahead for the first time in the game. Yeah, good, good play through the thirds. Sangare out to to Aina. What not for the first time, Sangare's been involved in a move. Uh, Aina was brilliant, I thought. Uh, even the first half, he was pretty good at getting forward. And then it's that it's that uh, Forest cut back in it onto the penalty spot. And Alanga's just, yeah. he, he can't miss, really. He's walked onto that perfectly, straight in the bottom corner. Uh, and I've had an argument with some of my mates. And I did, I kind of was on the wind-up, but I wasn't. But like, is it necessary to take your shirt off and get an, an unnecessary bucket in that moment at 2-1 when you've still got, what, 40 minutes left in this game? I know we scored with half an hour to go, but it's 40, it's 40 minutes, really. Let's let's face it. Yeah, with added times and that. Yeah. So, like, for, for me, like, you, you, we've, we have celebrated like we've won, like we've won the game in that instance. I, I, I get it. Celebrate the goal, but it's a bit OTT for my liking. I just feel like we're, we're a catalyst for our own downfall. You're asking for egg on your face, aren't you, in a, in a sense of celebrating a goal like that. And I know people won't won't enjoy that. They might not. I don't I don't care. You can feel free to have an opinion with me. It doesn't, doesn't harm me. But for me, just, just get focused because what happens instantly is unforgivable. And that, that says a lot to me where you've over-celebrated a goal and you're not focused. No one was focused because you shouldn't do that at a professional level. No matter what league you're in, for me, I think it's it's diabolical what happens after this goal. Yeah, I do probably not as strongly as I say <laughs> as I think you said it, but yeah, it's the first one I've ever had on this podcast. Yeah, I, I get I get where you're, you're coming from because maybe for this five minutes left, yeah, maybe, but yeah, like you said, Adam, it's thirty thirty five minutes left of the game, and then as we've said on this podcast many times, I mean, how many goals have we conceded where it's literally his own fault? And that is what has happened. So we're going to get into that because, I mean, the lead, unfortunately, lasted a couple of minutes at best. Um, as James Ward-Prowse's corner was headed in by, yeah, five foot nine Jared Bowen. Um, talk us through that one, Christian. And just a disappointment of conceding so soon after the euphoria of scoring. It was, yeah, I mean, like I said to you in the chat, I was like, we're going to lose this now. 
Uh, you can you can tell you got to watch Forest lose this now. The most Forest thing possible. You I, you show all this mental resilience. You play so well. You're so competitive. You know you, you win your duels. You get up the pitch. You cause problems. You come back from a goal down at a team who have just won a trophy last season to go two one ahead in their own backyard, and then you fold like a deck chair within seconds. That is literally the most Forest thing you could possibly think of. And yeah, I mean I it, I haven't actually seen it back, so I can't tell you for sure but all I saw is like I said the ball came in Bowen seemed unmarked and again quite how Bowen I mean yeah fair enough he's five foot nine but we all know he's West Ham's biggest threat arguably you get someone on him surely so I just found that it was just very frustrating and I you know um there was someone next to me oh could the keeper do more I was like you joking like, it's a free header from like five yards out like I don't think anyone's getting on the end of that. anyone's doing anything better so yeah, very, very frustrating. I mean, yeah, I mean, we just barely finished celebrating and suddenly you're, like, you're going, oh, Christ, here we go again. Right. Yeah, I think that that's why it was. Into, I, I mean, I was saying on my Twitter, I, I, I thought the game was there to be taken. This is from a Forest perspective. I think West Ham fans would have probably felt the exact same. And when we got 2-1 ahead away from home, the crowd was a little bit restless. Um, there was moaning wasn't it? when they went back a few times. West Ham, you could hear on the telly. You just felt like if we'd have kept it tight for five or ten minutes, that we, I think we generally would have seen the game out because I think they would have the frustration might have not boiled over, but you know, you know what happens when the crowd gets frustrated, players start taking a heavy torch and the pressure's on, and the pressure would have been on them. So to concede and that got the crowd back up, and I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll come on to the rest of the game now because after that equaliser, though, Adam, I mean, it, it gave the impetus to West Ham, really. And to me, as soon as we took Tyro off with 15 to go and also the three subs at once again, which I've seen a few people question on social media. I mean, we seemed to struggle to keep hold of the ball. We, we couldn't we couldn't make any passes and we just couldn't make it stick up the pitch and it did keep coming back. Um, I mean, the last 15 saw Ola Aina's mistake. Very, very lucky not to be punished by Thomas Suchek, who hit the crossbar. I mean, we then seem to allow James Ward-Brass, who is without doubt one of the best set pieces in the league, countless chances to get the ball into good areas, which he did numerous times. And in the end, it was the Czech midfielder, Suchek, who did punish us with two minutes to go as he headed home from a corner. Um, I mean, did you feel that goal was coming? I know Christian has just said he thought we'd lose when it went to 2-2. And I mean, talk us through that goal from your perspective. Yeah, our, our arses fell out, Reese. to be honest. Like, as soon as they scored a second, we, we just seemed to hit the panic buttons, didn't we? Like, Mangala, Sangara and, and Dinero couldn't put a foot on the ball and, and kind of have any calm. Marilla going off didn't help either because he's someone yeah, who, who uh, oozes confidence. And I mean, losing him with a hamstring injury, I just hope it's it's not too long. And then the three subs obviously come out. Marillo's having to go off injured. It looked like Aina were bollocks. Um, and, and Taiwo is just still coming back. So he looked he looked shatter, shattered as well. And I think that just gave so much impetus to, to West Ham. And you build a momentum when you just keep conceding corner after corner after corner. And literally, it was like James Ward Prowse had got. Well. It was like he got a bag of balls and was just practicing. He was just yeah. swinging them in all day. And I mean, to be fair, until the Bowen corner. That he'd scored from, we were we defended reasonably well. I thought, like we were headed, we were getting our, our head to the first ball. If not, like Lacadamos was half clearing it. We got maybe a bit lucky every now and then, but generally we was doing okay. 
but you, if you're going to give someone with that much quality that many opportunities to do it, it it's with West Ham such a big team with like Zuma, Suchek, who obviously gets on the end of it, uh, Aguerd, Antonio, who'd come on. You, they, they're bound to the bound to have a, a chance at some point, but it's just poor marking again. I don't I don't know who was marking Suchek. I've not actually seen the goal back properly yet, and like I like watched it in detail, but. Surely got to put someone like Willy Bolly or Moussa Niakati on him. He's like he's the biggest guy on the pitch for crying out loud. And it's a free header. He's got the freedom of West Ham to to nod it in, and nothing you can do. Goalkeeper can't do anything. It's just it's a bullet header. What what more can you say? Really, it's just poor poor from us again. Poor set piece defending. Did you say Bolly was marking for that goal, Christian, or am I mistaken in that? I thought it was Bolly, but I mm. could be wrong. Like it's, it was again. It's very difficult to yeah. tell. It's sort of you sort of just you sort of as you could sort of see. It's like hang on, we sort of said like, hang on, Bolly's got not got anyone, but I haven't seen it back, so I could be completely wrong here. He might, you know, might just be might have to go for someone else or with someone and, else. Uh, I I should have watched it back. We're still too frustrated. That is an annoying part of this pod, isn't it? When you're doing a podcast, if we do get beat, you kind of have to watch it back rather than trying to forget about it. But yeah, I think well, both I know both the goals were just unmarked headers, weren't they? And yeah, like yeah, like really, fair play really to West Ham if they've if they've worked on it because it seemed like they were putting oh, up. Like blockers and screens because... and stuff like that, but it's a massive weapon, isn't it? Yeah, like I said, he's one of the best. You know, there'll probably be some people out there who think he is the best in the league at set pieces. You know, I'd I'd argue Kevin De Bruyne until the cars come home, but he's injured at the minute, so he's definitely up there, and he, he's probably as well got a point ante to show to Gareth Southgate because he wasn't picked in the England squad again this week. So if he keeps as much as I think I'm going off on a tangent here, but as much as I think Southgate's squad is probably near enough picked for Germany, if he keeps playing our years, can he not not pick him? So kind of proving a boy, man. To yeah, nine, nine assists and, now. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, that's the end of the James Ward press I think, anyway. But um, that was finally the end of the scoring, and, and we did often puff in stoppage time, but to no avail. I mean. Dervok Origi forced a decent save from Ariola, but one I'd expect him to make. And, you know, he may have been a better option for Tyro, but it is what it is now, unfortunately. Um, we are going to speak about what we've just spoken about, set pieces, though, but to round off the uh, match review, um, only the one goal from us this season from set pieces, which was the Willy Bolly goal at Manchester United, which, I mean, let's be honest, I don't think he knew much about it at all, didn't he? I think it hit him in the face. So, I mean, for context, West Ham have today scored double from set pieces than we have in all this season. Um, is that something that you'd say needs looking at? Who takes them? Are you guys happy for Gibbs White to carry on taking them? Whoever wants to come in on this one. I think Gibbs White is going to be made a scapegoat for the fact that we're not scoring from set pieces. But I don't necessarily think it's all his fault. Don't get me wrong. It's very frustrating when he doesn't beat the first man. But there are many, many times we've seen him put the ball in the good areas. It's not been, it's not been um, capitalised on by our players. So it, I think the, the biggest concern for me is I think that's the seventh goal we've seen now from set pieces this season, which is yeah, a league high. That is oh, really poor. Really that that is yeah. that is. I mean, no. Even with those teams down there beneath us, that is something that can pull you into relegation trouble if you keep mm. seeing from set pieces. Because that's like, I think I was saying on the way out, like, had Jared Bowen like waltz past five players and scores twice, I could have taken that better than considering two goals from two set pieces. Because at least you've made them work for it. Like, if, if you, it's as simple as putting a ball into a box. That's it. Like, 
and it's it's been a problem for a while now. Like I mean, as I say, I can't remember the last time he scored from a corner. Like that body goal. I mean, yeah, fair enough. But I can't remember the last time he scored a free kick, either direct or otherwise. I don't think we've done one since we've been promoted. Actually, scored a free think kick. So. No, so, so like, and you know, I mean, these things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'll oh, just go out and buy a specialist free kick taker for the sake of it, because you know those chances might not come up in a game necessarily that much. But equally, it does feel as if we're looking at how to improve a team, someone will probably say to you, Forest set pieces are really poor. And they'll probably say they're not scoring enough from them and they're conceding far too many from them. So ultimately, that's what we're going to have to tighten. Because it's, it's not, there's no point, this is why I feel very sorry for Cooper, because there's no point doing all that work on the training fields where you get the team playing competitive, you get the team winning your duels, you get your midfield working as a unit together. You get Danilo. Danilo was brilliant today when he came on. He was The way he was joining up attacks was, was ph- phenomenal. Sangare was dominating that midfield. He was excellent. Mangara as well. There is absolutely no point then putting in performances like that if we're going to concede two goals from a set piece. It's just pointless. So that, that, that must be so infuriating for Cooper and his coaching staff going home. Because they must be like, what, there's not much more we could have done. Forest weren't, Forest weren't bad today. We were actually pretty good. We, it was more, it was at best even. I would say really we probably edged it, especially at the start of the second half. Like the fact we didn't, the fact we come away today with zero points is like a disgrace really from our side of things. Like, there's there's no excuse for it. Like Adam said earlier, it's unforgivable from the position we were in. And that's, again, like going off on another tangent, I said, we've bottled the lead against Luton. We've bottled the lead at United, albeit with contentious referees. We've bottled the lead today. Like, so clearly it's maybe a mentality issue as well as a set-piece issue, which is causing for us some issues. I think the, well, the worrying well, thing is, um, sorry, is, is, is we, br- we bring all 11 players back into the box for a set-piece, mm. yet we still... Let two free headers go in. So what 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 are they doing on the training ground when it comes to defending? You may as well leave two players up if you're going to concede that easily from them. At least give, at least like make opposition teams have more players out of our box. You know what I mean? It kind of just you you kind of it's a recipe for disaster because there's just like so so many players in there to to muddle things up. In my opinion, for me that that's that's why I'm going off. But. We've got someone in Andy Reid who was a set-piece specialist for us on our coaching staff. You'd think he'd be someone doing something with Gibbs-White, with maybe Toffolo, who's obviously been labelled as the best crosser of the ball at the club by Cooper himself. Like, And he, and he used to, I think he used to take him at, at Huddersfield. Do you remember when um, we went up and people were saying about James Garner not being good at set-pieces? We scored yeah. like... Half a dozen or more goals from set pieces and headers through him. That so, do you know what I mean? It's fundamentally one of the worst takes I've ever heard from a Forest fan. <laughs> that James Garner could not take set pieces. They could not be. You may as well have said, I don't watch the sport, honestly. But, but yeah, like it's like what Reese says it's it's um, bread and butter, or, or you, Christian. It, it's, it's so fundamental a part of your game. If you can attack the, both boxes, essentially, because you do need to attack the ball to get rid of it. Then it's it's five or six extra goals a season with West Ham and having James Ward Prowse. It's it's like a dozen or more because they're because he's so good and they've got such a big tall team. So it's it's such a weapon that we're we're really not utilising. And I mean, yeah, Gibbs White is definitely a scapegoat for that. But equally, players need to take responsibility for attacking the ball in the in the area as well when when he does get it right. And to be fair, I think he has actually improved this season, but. Yeah, he's he's definitely getting the that brush tarnished with it with him for for that for that in that particular thing that's that's not going right. Yeah, I mean, me me personally, I think he's got I think they've got to be improved. There's just so 
it's it's obviously a tactic from Forrest to go into that near post because he wouldn't keep doing it if it wasn't. But he's got to there's so many times when it doesn't beat that first man. Um, it, it, I think it has got to be improved. It, it's not fair on him being completely scapegoated for it all because you know there's others in the team as well who can create stuff. But um, yeah, I think I think what's the most disappointing thing for me is to concede two set piece goals to a team of renowned for set pieces, which is something which defensively I'm sure we would have worked on in training all week. Like you just said, Christian, I think. Cooper will be tearing the back of his hair out, won't he? Um, at conceding them type of goals, um, so just really frustrating. But um, yeah, I mean, as as we said earlier, it's it's like ninety percent of the goals we concede at this level just mistakes from us, aren't they? I mean, when's the, like the last time we've been absolutely carved open, and you think, oh, what a move that is! Like, to be fair, our second goal, so it's just mistakes all the time, which is that's why it's so frustrating today. Um, because again, we're so close to getting a positive result. And to be honest, I think if we'd have got a point, we would have all been pretty pleased with that going into the break, weren't we, away from home? So Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Anyway, before we get on to player performances, going to run through the Septonic Four, so play the jingle. Red side of the Trent. <laughs> Slept on it thoughts. Right, anyway, I'll, I'll run through all of these um, before we get on to his play performance, as I said. So, starting with James Parker, very frustrating today, especially after coming back to take the lead. Poor decision-making and being unable to mark from set-pieces have have cost us today. Not sure why we were sitting so deep when at 1-1 we were comfortable in the game, made an average West Ham team look good. I think it might mean 2-2 there. Uh, BCP, game show, we are very likely a lower mid-table team which many will label as progress. But bringing on Wood was a mistake as off as, lit, as little. Credit Moyes for bringing on another forward, outsmarted Cooper with the subs. I think Moyes would be under more pressure once at home, to be fair. Uh, Joel can't get too high that early in the game, even after a great goal, what we, you mentioned earlier, Adam. Um, Danny Tring gives White as one assist and zero goals this season. He's taking every set piece. Is this good enough? Just obviously spoken about this. Poor marking from set-piece Costas. Some positives. Nice finish by Alanga. Um, hoping Murillo's injury was just precautionary. Um, Josh Parts. Any Cooper's art shouts are ridiculous. Sloppy passing to the first. 
not sure what Dominguez is doing. It's not like Cooper will be telling them to file in dangerous areas or give away corners either, knowing the threat from James Ward-Prowse for the other two goals. Uh, Lewis Morris, tough one to take that. Played really well for 70 minutes, then lose concentration after we scored to make it 2-1. You simply can't give James Ward-Prowse that many set pieces. It's a cheat code. Overall, half-decent performance regroup over the international break and go again. Um, tricky leagues. Steve Cooper is in the big boys league and with with this squad, he's a newly passed driver who has been given a Porsche. Yes, it will look good every now and then, but it's going to end in disaster because of lack of experience. A bit harsh, that one. Uh, Kez, Cooper's fault or not, tactically wasn't there. We know the threat from set pieces, so why wasn't there a plan in place? I mean, I'm sure there would have been, but what can you do when players aren't marking from set pieces? Uh, Craig against set Peace specialist defenders on post from corners is vital. I do agree with that. Trying to win the ball would help too. Dan Robinson, frustrating to have three subs done at once again when we are looking decent. Destroys our rhythm every time. Um, Premier Elliott, suppose it was a much better display than last year. Well, it couldn't have got much worse, but but we seriously need to stop losing the ball so much and Morgan needs to stop trying to win the game on his own. Question for you, like, if Toffolo is the best crosser of the ball, how come he's not on corners, etc.? Something I will touch on with Toffolo's crossing, I've seen this mentioned by a few, he had a couple of chances to put the ball in in the last seconds twice, and there was both not very good balls, to be fair. So, yeah, just for balance and all that. Uh, JNFFC, why does Morgan Gibb-White take free kicks and corners? Simply not good enough. We deserve to draw today. Um, Caponosity, um, more points dropped from winning positions, game management issue, a collective responsibility, individual mistakes or not. The simplicity of the goals conceded um, make me mad. James Ward-Prowse gave Morgan Gibbs-White a dead ball tutorial. How are Forrest still so bad at set pieces at both ends? Positive, buried. Um, Andrew Clark gutted. Ward-Prowse set pieces with a difference. I think we deserve something out of today. Again, we are com- we were competitive in an away game. Sammy Amiobi, not the actual one, but we need to practice defending and not bottling the lead desperately. We were good at it last season. This season has followed suit so far and thrown points away. Despite this, we have improved evidently and are far more competitive. Um, Thomas Flower, very frustrating. Always in the game until we went in front. Should have had a point at the minimum, but it was coming and we kept conceded set pieces. I do agree with that. Timothy, if Cooper describes Toffolo as probably the best crosser of the ball at the club, then why doesn't he take set pieces? Mind-boggling to me. Um, Alex, mentally fragile. That's it. That's all. And finally, Callum Shaw, um met in Eindhoven. He, he said, can I add this point to the podcast? Tactically, we need to be aware that their asset is set pieces, which we've kind of just gone through haven't we so thanks to everyone for getting them in without the the night's sleep i mean hopefully there'll be no offcom investigation for false advertising but yeah they're all the slept on it thoughts on this week i thought i'd give everybody a read out but anyway going to move on to some player performances so we'll start with you adam with the man mountain that is murillo i mean hopefully not a bad injury for him and for us i mean what did you make of him today and also overall would you say to ease expectations or are we going to go all in on him and say he's going to be the next, I don't know, Fabio Cannavaro? <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought overall he was pretty solid. First half, he was playing some very saucy balls, as I described it. I mean, there was one where he pinged it out to more Gibbs White. Like, it was like a curler. And I was like, where has he seen that kind of thing? And I love I love that he he penetrates midfields with with, the, with that pass in, in through the thirds and yeah, he's he's pretty calm in here. I think he got away with one a little bit against Jarabo in second half, where he kind of like manhandled him. But 
Oh, that was it. I've no idea how the ref didn't give a free kick for that. He, 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 <laughs> um, he did make some strange calls today, the ref did. Yeah, he was bad for both sides, to be honest. But mm. um, yeah, no, I feel Fort Marillo was, was, was fairly solid. I think from set pieces to say he's not the biggest centre-half. He actually probably won quite of the first contacts in, in there before Bowen's goal. Um, and I think him going off kind of killed us a little bit because he yeah, just he kind of exuberates calm for, for mm. such a young player. He's got so much confidence and kind of like knows how to slow a game down almost on his own, which is quite a unique set skill set to have at such a such a tender age and someone who's not played a lot of football in his career when you actually look at how many games he's played. So hopefully the injury is not too bad. Luckily, he's not going away on international duty. So hopefully he'll recover by the time we come back for Brighton. But yeah, overall, I thought he, he was he was decent. Um there's there's a lot to come from him. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of teams looking at him and looking at his progress uh, with, with us. But for now, he's he's with us and he's got a long contract with us. So I'm I'm really excited to keep seeing him develop. Yeah, there was already picking him up on Sky as like a key player for us, which was always kind of Gibbs White wanted last season. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> Murillo obviously I think for me was. He's he's been like a midfielder in Brazil, and they've they've looked at him and been like, actually, you're really stocky, so you can play at the back, um, because you're really actually really stocky and strong. So because he can, I think he could probably easily play midfield, couldn't he, really, Murillo? Um, yeah, a bit like a bit like Edison in goal for Manchester City. Um, but yeah, he's um, what we've seen of him so far. He looks he looks a really positive signing, doesn't he? I mean, what was it? Was it 13 million euros? I think it was something around that. So. Just over ten million, maybe it, it seems a snip, doesn't it? And it was something that Nathan says where if he was kind of playing in Europe already in one of the top five leagues, that value you'd probably be looking at triple the value already. So, yeah, hopefully, like you said, I'm not a bad injury or anything because that would be bad for us. Um, Christian, I mean, I, I called him our most important player on the last podcast. Um, he was back amongst the goals today. I mean, do you agree with me on that? And also, that we missed him when we went off today, and that man is Tyro Wanyi. What did you make of him? Oh, definitely. I couldn't believe the. I think one of the, the main issues we had today as well was that when we made our subs, there was no pace out wide, there was no, no pace in the forward areas at all. So, also, Tyro does like to drop deep quite a bit, but um, which helped join play up, and obviously, Wood doesn't mm. or can't do that. Which, yeah. you know, it, I, I personally think if you're going to sub Tyro at that moment, I know Wood's in form. He should have brought Origi on for him straight away. Origi's mm. more mobile. Origi's more athletic. Yeah, yeah. Origi can probably play in a similar fashion. So it wouldn't have been too much of a difference. But the way we lost our composure completely when he went off was quite scary. Uh, as to how he played, um, first half, actually, I was a bit sort of like, before he scored, I was like, he doesn't look quite at it. Like, he, mm. he wasn't holding the ball up as well as we know he can do. His passes, like, his layoffs weren't finding feet. But then he did score. And then ever since then, everything did turn to gold apart from that one finish. Like <laughs> the link up with Alanga was brilliant. After that, like there was one point where he, um, cause, oh, I mean, the referee, it's another matter entirely, but uh, he, uh, he sort of just tracked, dropped into our half and just sort of held off two players, won the ball and then found feet. It was like, goodness me, like, that was brilliant. Like, got, like, got a big T. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed game for him. If I felt like maybe like, you know, obviously, we say strikers live off goals, don't they? So, like, mm. and when they go a few games without, it might get a bit antsy and stuff like that. And I think maybe that's what happened with him because the difference in his 
um, performance after he scores compared to before was night and day. Not saying he was particularly bad before. It's nothing would seem to be coming off for him. Then when he did score, you seem like the Tyro that we all know that how can play with the exception of that. That's, that's what I mean. When finish. he scored that goal, well, when it comes that chance, when it comes to, I thought he'll bury this, and then he shanked it wide. Easy, but oh. no, I mean, I, I I do agree. I think he's he's so crucial to how we play, or at least yeah. a forward in that manner, a quick mm. forward. I mean. Uh, we all sort of, and some of us sort of scoff at the signing of Origi, but when Tyro goes to the AFCON, like, we're going to need Origi to start games because he's the only one, that, or buy another striker, because he's the only one that can do what Tyro can do. That he'll drop deep, he will get stuck in, he will join up play from deep and be quick enough to get back at the other end to be on the end of a cross or something because Woods isn't and won't ever be that player. And we know that. We had this conversation last season. We said, look, unless we play Woods to his strengths, there's no point playing him. So, yeah. Uh, I'll, going back to your point, yeah, I'd say I'll still give him a seven out of ten, Tybo. Yeah, I still think you know he, he, it's a crucial goal he got for us, and you no, know, his his performance after that goal was was very very good. Do, do you think he's his most important player, or is that something you disagree with? I say he's definitely you know I don't In think you can maybe isolate one player per se, mm-hmm. but I think if you were to obviously to put your spine together, you'd say Vlakadimas. Right now, probably Murillo. Yeah, Gibbs White and then um, Taiwo. So mm. if you take any of those four out, it's going to be problems. So, mm. um, yeah, I think he's definitely in the conversation. I just think, like, when he's not in the team, we just, and this isn't Chris Wood's fault at all. It, it's just Chris Wood isn't really how we want to play. You know, I know he scored three goals this season and against like teams where you've got to maybe put the ball in the box more like Sheffield Knight and Luton. He, he is maybe ideal, but Tyra just for me offers us so much as sometimes as bad as he is to watch on the eye, just, <laughs> it's just chaos and it, it, it's just brilliant. And I always feel with him up front, I feel confident something is going to manifest itself, even if it isn't a goal, it's just going to cause issues. And yeah, when we when we went off today, and as well with the other changes, Murillo and Ina coming off, I just thought we dropped kind of deep, like we did against Luton again, and uh, frustrating. I just wanted to touch on a one as well. Um, I kind of like link it, like liken him to Mitrovic's influence at Fulham. Really, you, you look mm. at what Fulham are doing this season; they're very yeah. much in the same boat as us. Like everything else behind the striker seems to be pretty good, but they haven't got; they've lost him over the summer. And 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 Raúl Jiménez is not really replacing that, so it's they're they're struggling just as much as we are when we've got no Taiwo. So it's it's kind of that's how important he is to us, and and that, like you guys say, how he how he plays. But we are we are light out wide, and then like to bring yeah, players on short, with that, with, to bring on that pace. Like we can't we can't get Callum Hudson Odoi back quick enough. Really, hopefully mm, he's back I after his agree. international break because we do need him. Mm. Yeah, I do agree. It just gives us that option, didn't he? And we, we didn't really get a Langer running at Kufal, did we, in the second half too much, um, which was a shame. Um, it's something that we didn't do when we had Hickey on a yellow card earlier on in the season against Brentford. But um, oh, just so frustrating. <laughs> I'll, I'll get over it. Anyway, final one for you, Adam, is a man um, who has had his off-the-field issues and someone who I think many saw as really a squad player, Um I mean, some, maybe even a squad player at best, but, you know, someone who's got a chance and he's kept hold of his shirt and that is Harry Toffolo. I mean, what did you make of him today and also over the last few games? Because we didn't really mention him in the last pod, so I thought I'd give him a mention today. 
Yeah, I thought he was pretty solid. I'd have liked him to get forward a lot more and kind of take Kudis away from from Alanga because Kudis quite liked getting back and helping yes. Kufau and, and actually was quite aggressive in, in the tackle sometimes. I think Kudis was quite actually lucky to stay on the field in some respect. Yeah, he was, um, he was close, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, 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 he nailed Alanga in the first half, I think it was, and then... He obviously got his yellow card eventually, handballed one. And yeah, I think if Toffolo kind of like made those overlapping runs or underlapping runs with, mm. with Alanga and takes him away, then it kind of would have helped. We kind of held back a little bit. But I think one-on-one defending, I thought he was fairly okay today. I don't think like Bowen or Kudus got to, got around him too much in terms of a one-on-one, 1v1 battle. Um, and yeah, he took, he took his opportunity. Obviously, we brought in... Nuno Tavares, who weren't even in the squad today. It's kind of like the talk the talk of the town is with with him and Andre Santos. Is like, are we going to send them back or, or what? What's going to happen with them? But for, for me, I still think Tavares has got a bit a, a part to play. It's just he's just been a bit unfortunate with that injury he had against City. So it's going to be an interesting one. But yeah, Toffolo's definitely took the to sh- the shirt by the scruff of the neck, and and fair play to him because he's. He seems like a really good bloke. It's obviously the the off the field things has kind of tarnished that a little bit, but he's knuckled down, hasn't he? Yeah, I think I've mentioned this on the pod before. What I like about Harry Toffolo is he's he's come through the pyramid, anti, and he started right at the bottom, and he's got all the way up to the Premier League. And you can see he's a hard working player. Um, I think there would have been like maybe question marks last season because, with respect, we had a Brazil international left back who's now gone on to play for one a top club in France so yeah um he's done he deserves to keep the shirt I mean to be honest with Tavares not on the bench I didn't realize he went on the bench but I've just looked at the bench now Adam and Nico Williams would have been the left back back up today and he actually come on against Villa and did really well so it's probably why Cooper to be fair has rewarded him with keeping him on there today but um yeah he's, he's done well Toffolo and long may that continue um and with like you mentioned as well Adam we do but we do need a squad so whether or not people get recalled and that is kind of out of our hands into we can't just play people on if they're going to get recalled by the so-called bigger clubs. So anyway, um, finally on player performances, Christian, I mean, it's someone else's turn this time and I'm going to give you Ibrahim Sangare. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how he escaped a book in the first half. I mean, this was one of the referees' interesting decisions and missed the Brighton game because he is on the four cards. And I did think it was all a bit safe first half until he started the move for the first goal, which he started off with a, a typical trademark tackle. And then, I mean, the ball to Morgan Gibbs-White was, like you mentioned earlier, Adam, weighted to perfection. Um, I mean, what did you make of him today? And are you pleased with how he's coming along since joining from PSV Eindhoven or would you like a bit more? I, I thought it was brilliant today. I thought he was he was so, so good in the midfield. I thought... You know, he won. He seemed like he won the majority of his duels. He was, I think, very. He's very good on the ball. He's very technically good. I think he also brings out the best in the midfielders around him because they can they can sort of trust him more. Like especially like like no, no, no was fizzing the ball off him quite a lot and was more than happy to do that. And it seems like Mangara as well. They have quite a good sort of connection together at the minute. Those two as a pairing. Obviously, there's someone else in that midfield. I know, but and Domingo's largely has been good before today. Yeah. But, um, no, I thought he played really well. I thought, um, you know, like Adam touched upon earlier, West Ham are a big team. They are very physical and he didn't shut down at all. He was more than happy to get his hands dirty, more than happy to get stuck in. 
and you know he had the better of them more often than not. I thought it played really well. The um, the forwards vision for both goals, like you said, the, the weighted pass to Gibbs White for the first, yeah, the brilliant. way he set iron on the right for the seconds, like you know that he looks like a very very good footballer today. I'm not saying he hasn't before, but he looked like that's the sort of player you look at and think, yeah, okay, I can see why we signed him now. That that was mm. that's a performance to shut everyone up it's because yeah, that that was quality. In regards to will I want more from him? Um, I feel that I think if he plays that level consistently, then we've that's yeah fine because obviously there's scope to develop there. I think that you know I mean you have to look at United or the players they've signed from the Eredivisie. It's there's quite I think the last good player from the Dutch league to come to Premier League was probably Luis Suarez, and that was what seven eight years ago. Mm. So it's, it's, it's the jump is very very high. So you and obviously with the money you've spent for us as well, you kind of have to hope that you know he really can adapt quickly. But I think it's been a bit of a slower process than maybe would have liked. But I still think he's been largely decent, with the exception of the odd game here and there, the odd mistake. Like obviously the Liverpool game, I know he was at fault for one of the goals. I know obviously at City he was booked and hooked after an hour, but that was primarily because Roger had been sent off anyway. So you know he hasn't he has had he's had his um, his low lights if you like, but I do think the good have far outweighed the bads and today he was very very good it was like you know one of those it, there was times today where you're watching forest and like we're actually being seriously competitive here at you know I'm not, I'm not, i don't mean to like paint west ham as this like giant club because they aren't and never ever will be but they you know they are ultimately they've been in europe for the last three seasons they've won a trophy in europe you know they 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 were before last season as well when they sold Rice, they were a top six frequent like contender got to a so, semi-final in Europa as well didn't they absolutely yeah so they, they, they've made a lot of progress since they've been like re-promoted if you like to the Prem and you know it, it, there was times watching for us today it was like we are more than a match for these we, this is very even and that was partially because of how Sangare was just dominating his midfield area he was really really good to know I thought so yeah very pleasing I think there'll be more to come from him and yeah, I think the more he gets settled in this country, the more he gets settled in with his team. It's a bit frustrating. Like, obviously, with the international break, I get he has to go away because obviously Afcon's only around the corner. But it would be nice to have him around for one of these breaks to try and integrate a bit more in the team. But yeah, I think there's more to come from him. And if we can get him the consistency he was today, then we're in for a treat because yeah, very very good. Yeah, well, he, he made a combined today of tackles and an interception of seven. I mean, he made five tackles alone today, which was the best on the pitch. I'm just looking through the stats now. I mean, the next best for tackles and interceptions was Kufal, who made four. So he's nearly double his and he was second best. So, yeah, I mean, what we kind of signed him for, I thought today he showed that. I mean, the, the pass to Gibbs-White, was that was a world-class pass. Once it literally waited to perfection. Um it's just a shame we've got a bloody international break again now, isn't it? Um, yeah, but I agree, Christian. We, that's why it's so frustrating. And we, we, I'm not coming on this pod like frustrated in the fact that, well, I, I am that we've lost the game, but because we played quite well in periods and it's due to his own downfall, why we've lost that game. You know what I mean? And that's why it's so frustrating, not because I think I'm entitled to get results today because it was going to be tough because, like you say, we we're against a team who playing in Europe and, to be fair, I know they sold Declan Rice for, what was it, 110, 120 million maybe in the summer. They've invested that money in the squad. You know, they brought Alvarez, they brought Kudos, they brought James Ward-Prowse. I bet all them combined have 
are probably about 100 million. So it's not as if like they've sold the best player and not replaced him with a, some quality because one of them players has won them the game today with his set pieces. So, yeah, just frustrating. <laughs> um, anyway, to round off this pod, then we're going to have a quick oversight and predictions for the Brighton game, which is, as I've just said, after another international break um, into um, England against powerhouses of Malta during that break, which you'll enjoy. Um, anyway, we do have another special guest to keep the content coming during the international break, so keep a look out for that. Um, I can promise you it is a good guest as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, Lee has gone for free, a 3 2 Forest win, so he's not gone completely on the flip after losing today. Liam says we'll get beat 5 0 He's gone positive. Um, little stat on Brighton. There was only one of the only five teams not to beat us last season, along with Palace, Chelsea, Everton and Southampton, with us running out 3-1 winners last time we played them. Um, that was also at the City Ground. Um, they've surprisingly drew 1-1 with Sheffield United today at home, um, but they did play with 10 men for over 20 minutes, but that is a definite coupon buster into that one. I'm sure you'll be doing a preview, Adam. Have you have you managed to find a Brighton fan? Yeah, Christian's yes. uh, Christian's contacts from the charity game has come into fruition yet again. Is it Fat Boy Slim? Is he coming up? I don't Sadly, think he will not be praising no. us. No, okay. I know, yeah, yeah, I don't think he will, unfortunately. There's a little pun. Anyway, we'll leave like the analysis for that show, uh, which will be in, in a week or so. Um, so, Adam give us a prediction and a bit of reason behind it if you can it's it's a difficult one because obviously international break you don't know who's going to be available from from both sides but brighton are in a bit of a a lull i mean you'd say that about west ham in the league but actually they've been winning games in between in europe and in the cup so they kind of weren't and they were it's it's a difficult one whereas brighton are kind of in a similar boat where in the league they've kind of stumbled a bit but they're beating yeah, Ajax back they're very much like us that I mean they've drew the last four out of the last three four out of the last five games and they've drew all the last three against Everton, Fulham and Sheffield United so especially with Everton and Fulham probably teams similar around us you'd say I know that went yeah. down well <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I look at Brighton at a, and, and a game at home where I, I would I'd like to back us because we're at home and I back us to beat anyone at home. We we beat Villa like not comfortably, but we kept them at an arm's length. So I don't see why we couldn't that, do that to Brighton. Um, and I think we've got a team that can dominate them physically a lot more than than they used to because they've not got the midfield. They've got more technical players in, in that sense. So hopefully we can we can get a win and we can kind of ruffle some feathers in in their camp. Um, I mean we're going to see some some Barcelona talent in Ansu Fati playing at the city ground. Yeah. So that's a new one to tick off your list yeah. if, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to keep, I'm going to stop waffling. Uh, I'm going to go with another 2-0 win at home though. 2-0 eh? against Europa League, Brighton. What about you, Christian? I I think that, the only thing that concerns me is that we do seem to have, have a bit of a low off international break because we have so many going away. But Brighton don't, quite seem at it at the minute they um i don't know whether it's depth or whether it's you know the maybe fact europe that maybe europe too or maybe the fact that as good as the serbian manager is even he can't help the fact that selling your best players every year normally comes at a price eventually um but i'm gonna be bold i'm gonna say we're gonna win 2-1 like i did the lowest time game i think that um yeah it's just hopefully we just have to hope 
fighters don't act like idiots <laughs> towards set pieces. It'd be nice. But um, yeah, I, I'm a bit surprised by Brighton this year because they, they, they had the capability to blow teams away. They struggled at Everton last week. They obviously struggled to lay against a really, really poor side at home. Um, yeah, they've not quite been firing on all cylinders. I mean, normally that means that they're going to come to Forest and we'll be Charity FC again. They win it 6 0 and go home happy. But uh, hopefully that won't be the case. I, I know, like, they, they reinvest, don't they? But they've had the heart of the midfield ripped out for starting. McAllister and Caicedo both left. I know they've got, especially for Caicedo, incredible money. But, um, and I know you, they always go with the mantra of you can keep replacing players. But when you've got a core of a side, there is going to be a bedding in period, as we've seen with us. So, so yeah, I mean, just speaking of the international break, so we've had two already this season. This is the last one, thankfully, this year now until March. Um, but we came back after the first one and drew 1-1 with Burnley. And we came back after the second one and drew 2-2 with two. 2-2 with Luton, that um, infamous game. So it all points to a draw if we go um, on on that stats. But, I mean, again, I'm going to be same as you guys. I'm going to be optimistic because I think as well, we, we seem to perform better at home when we are the underdog. Brighton, with the bookies, I'm sure be favourites for that game because of their stature of, of the... They're in Europe. In Europe, I can't get the words out now. Um, and I'm going to go... I did put down 2-1, which was the same as you, Christian, but I'm going to go for 3-1. Why not? Same score as last season. Um, we'll, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And then um, it's two home games on the trot, isn't it? So it's Brighton and then Everton. So if we yeah, can get... Yeah, two big, two big games. I think I think in them two, you've got to be looking at a minimum of four points, aren't you, to be honest, yeah. um, as a minimum. Um, oh, they'll, they'll come the opposite way around as well. We'll beat yeah. Brian, we'll draw to Everton. That's what well, to be fair, I, think, I mean, Everton's <laughs> away form is actually pretty good. I think they've, they've won a few away from home now. I mean, they beat Palace away, they beat West Ham away, um, they beat Brentford away. That's the, the last, apart from the Liverpool game, they've won three out of the last four away. So, you know, they made it diff- life difficult for us last season, didn't they, Everton, to be fair to them, uh, which is a yeah. typical Sean Dyke's performance of hard work and physicality and yeah, so... Um, Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> to be fair, he's doing a good job there. In my yeah, he's doing really well. Uh, because it, I know I know a few weeks ago on TalkSport, it was, there was an absolute crisis and with this pending apparent points deduction for them to pick away wins up at Brentford, Palace and West Ham. Fair play to him on that, Sean Dodge. Anyway, that's it for this episode of Red Side of Trent. Um, as we've said, Unfortunately, there's now an international break again and we've got to stew over that result for a couple of weeks. But as I said earlier, keep a lookout for our special pod after this review to keep you busy. We'll probably be releasing that at the back end of the week. So give you time to listen to this one and we'll see you next time after the Brighton home game. Take care and come on you Reds. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> 